0: about uh, the cross of Jesus, and she said, oh, boring. <laughs> so you're in for a treat, is what I'm saying. Could you turn me down just a little bit? That'd be great. Our reading from today is from John 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God loved the world this way. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Friends, today we proclaim the good news that on the cross, Jesus absorbs and becomes the poison that is killing us. He is lifted up so we can see the disease that infects our lives. Let's look to Jesus. Reckon with our wrong and leave the poison of the world behind. John 3.16 is perhaps the most famous passage in the world. If you've watched an NFL game on TV, you've seen the man who sits, I think it's a man, who sits with a yellow poster board behind the field goals with the, the text. I think most people know this verse, even people who are not Christians. But have you ever noticed the weird verse that comes before it? I'm using weird in a technical theological sense. Let me read it again for us. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone that believes in Him will have eternal life. Does anyone else find this curious, that Jesus compares Himself to a snake? Anybody? It's just me? Let's revisit this this story in Numbers 21. This this story is enigmatic and a little uh, kind of out of the blue, and then the text just kind of moves on from it, but Jesus… Calls it to mind here, so we should also call it to mind. The story goes that the Israelites were in the wilderness having come out of Egypt. And they were getting cranky about how long they were in the desert. Complaining that they had to eat miserable bread every day, the bread that came from heaven. Grumbling against Moses and God that they were seemingly stuck between bondage in Egypt and this promised land that they haven't seen yet. And so then we're told in Numbers 21 that the Lord sent poisonous snakes, or uh, as the KJV says, fiery serpents, Ooh! Uh, apparently as a consequence or punishment of their grumbling against God and Moses, and they begin to die, as you do when you're bitten by poisonous snakes. Death sort of wakes them up, so to speak, to their spiritual condition, so they They confess their sin to Moses and they ask him to intercede to God to send the snakes away. Now, snakes, real quick, pause, before we get to the end of the story. Snakes are kind of this uh, really interesting symbol in antiquity. The Garden of Eden story has an infamous serpent that is part of the takedown of humanity, yeah? And then they're symbols of evil. They're worshipped in other cultures. They are uh, associated with chaos and divination, pagan gods. You remember the showdown between Moses and the sorcerers of Pharaoh's court, the first sort of uh, sign that Moses gives is he turns his staff into a serpent that swallows up the sorcerers of Pharaoh's serpents. Now, the serpent was associated with an Egyptian god who controlled the land, so I'm not going to preach this sermon, but this is cosmic battle stuff here. And, and until this point, the serpent is associated with, with enmity or antagonism against God. But now these evil snakes show up and they start killing and the complaining and grateful Israelites. And this is where it gets interesting. Instead of sending the snakes away or making the people impervious to their poison or giving them this potion to drink that cures them, He instructs, God instructs Moses to fashion a snake and to put it on a pole. Then when the people are bitten, they can look at the bronze snake and live. Now, uh, parenthetically, uh, the, uh, the medical emblem, there's some doctors here. The medical emblem is a snake on a pole. It's a symbol of healing that even in our sort of non-religious culture is still evoked today and it comes from Numbers 21. I want to draw our attention to several things in this text then we're going to fly back to John 3. First, the people did not appreciate the bread from heaven they received. Second, their complaints resulted in a snake attack (laughs) that caused some of them to die. Third, the solution for them, was to face the thing that was killing them. The consequences of their sin in the presence of Moses, the mediator between God and man. Don't miss this. The Israelites were saved by facing the source of their death. The wages of their sin. In the presence of Moses the mediator between God and man. Now listen to John three fourteen again. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Do you see? Do you see the good news? On the cross, Jesus absorbs and even becomes that which is killing us. He is lifted up so we can see the disease that infects our lives. Let's look to Jesus. Reckon with our wrong. And be healed of the poison that lives in us. Church, Jesus is the mediator, just like Moses. Jesus takes up in himself that which is killing us. Not abstractly. This is so important. If you don't remember anything that we... We proclaim today, remember this. How's that for a non-coercive? Listen up. Jesus takes up in himself that which is killing us, not abstractly like we are usually taught, but concretely the killing of an innocent man who loves and heals and forgives and includes because he threatens the powers that be. We're usually taught that Jesus takes some kind of abstract punishment on himself from God. To bring salvation. That God was balancing some sort of cosmic justice spreadsheet in heaven. Have you heard this before? But Jesus' death is much more specific and particular than that. There's a great danger in abstracting the cross from what was actually happening in Jesus' day. This this happens with this snake on a pole. So the Israelites get healed from the snake on a pole. And then Israel's like... The snake on a pole is pretty boss. And so they take the snake on a pole and they put it in the temple. And they apparently kept it there because in 2 Kings 18, we're told that the people began to burn incense to it. And King Hezekiah, when he starts to clean house and like purify Israel's worship, he has to destroy the snake on the pole. Why? Because the snake on the pole got abstracted from the story it was told in, and they started to worship it, and they didn't understand it, and they didn't didn't know what was going on there. It became an idol. The danger is, friends, to connect some dots here. If we take the cross out of the story and just hang it around our necks, we forget, we lose sight of what we're supposed to see when we look at the Son of Man lifted up. John's gospel, though, helps us not lose sight of the plot. In fact, John's gospel gives us an explicit reason why Jesus had to die. And it's in John 11. Jesus is a threat to the powers that be. This comes right after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Y'all remember that story? And reports begin to be told about this. And then we're, we're told this in John 11. This is verse 47. The chief priests and the Pharisees called together the council, all the religious leaders, and said, what are we going to do? This man, Jesus, is doing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our people. One of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, told them, you don't know anything. You don't see that it is better for you that one man die for the people rather than the whole nation be destroyed. Unless we believe this is just Caiaphas speaking, John goes on. He didn't say this on his own. As high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would soon die for the nation. And not only for the nation, Jesus would also die so that God's children scattered everywhere would be gathered together as one. From that day on, they plotted to kill him. Now, track with me here. Just as it was a snake killing the Israelites and they had to look upon a snake to be saved. So too, it was the mechanism and logic of the cross as a way of justice and peace that was killing Israel. So too, it was the need for some innocent person to die on behalf of everyone so that we wouldn't lose our power and our belonging and our security. The religious leaders of Jesus' day spell this out. The cross, as a good idea, stands in the heart of humanity and demands our allegiance. Jesus is lifted up on the cross so we can see this good idea for what it is. We can see that this good idea is in fact killing us. Our best ideas of how to bring justice and peace lead to the death of God. Our best ideas on how to achieve justice lead to us killing God. We kill love, but God so loved the world that Jesus absorbs our poison and hatred and violence for his love's sake and calls us to look upon Jesus on the cross to reckon what is wrong with us. Do you see this? Today we proclaim, on the cross, Jesus absorbs and becomes the poison that is killing us. The retributive, scapegoating, blaming poison. He's lifted up so we can see our disease for what it is. Let's look to Jesus, reckon with our wrong, and leave the world's poison behind. So here's just a list of things that are killing us. What's killing us is that our best ideas for justice and peace are unjust and violent. What's killing us is that in the name of self-preservation and security and safety, we will justify anything as good. What's killing us is that fear and anger so consume our vision so as to make the most innocent person who ever lived look guilty. What's killing us is that we think more violence will bring peace. What's killing us is that if anyone shows us our badness, sin, or ignorance, they're what's wrong, and they thus must be eliminated. What's killing us is that we respond to other people receiving honor, esteem, and affection with jealousy and envy and anger. What's killing us is that when God visited us, we decided the best thing to do about it was to kill him. On the cross, Jesus absorbs and becomes the poison that is killing us. He's lifted up so we can see it. Oh, this mechanism, this way of establishing justice, this offering up Somebody to die so we can preserve what we have. This is the poison that runs our culture. Let's look to Jesus, reckon with our wrong, and leave the world's poison behind. Friends, what's killing you today? Where does this poison show up in your life today? What enemy-making, retributive, scapegoating, self-preserving, reconciliation, despising, poison works its way under your skin? What venomous evil has bitten you so that you can't think straight? That bad ideas seem like good ideas and you think eliminating, violently eliminating opponents will bring peace? Lent is a season to once again face that which is killing us. Can you see Jesus on the cross? Can you see Him on the cross revealing and absorbing your poison today? I need this today really bad. I need this good news today. Friends, I have a hard time praying right now. I have a prayer book um, a lot of, a lot of uh, denominations or traditions, they're known by their, their doctrinal statement. You go on their website and they've got the Westminster Confession of Faith or uh, another doctrinal statement, uh, Baptist faith and practice doctrinal statement. Lutherans have theirs as well. Uh, we're Anglican, so we have, an, we have a creed and a prayer book. We have, doc, we have doctrine and dogma, it's important, but we know who we are because of how we pray, how we worship. And it's one of the things that drew me into Anglicanism, and it's also one of the things that makes it really hard to pray, because right now as I pray my prayers as an Anglican, I have tons of anxiety and anger towards other Anglicans. It's actually triggering for me to pray my prayers. This morning, a person followed me on social media who um, I have enmity with. Enmity is a fancy word that means uh, anger and opposition, unreconciled. The first time I met this person, um, and I uh, introduced myself, um, and he asked what I did, and I told him, uh, and his comment was, I hate that. And he laughed, but it's one of those laughs where you kind of have to laugh because otherwise you're like, you know, you're off the charts jerk. And he just sort of laughed, like, "Oh, I hate, I hate that. You guys help people tend to their hearts. Pfft, I hate that." Then, about a year later, uh, Ben and I doing the table and our gravity leadership gig, um, he he kind of um, he had a position of influence and authority, and he so he uh, flew us down, down to where he lives, and he tried to talk us out of doing what we were doing. We were naive. We didn't, have, we didn't really have a church. Our business was going to fail. Every cell in my body wants him to just go away. I don't want him crucified, mind you, because I'm a Christian. I just want him to low-key, like, disappear. Maybe be embarrassed a little bit, or silenced, or marginalized. But looking at Jesus on the cross, I realize that all my fantasies about like getting even or being justified or him being you know stripped naked and publicly shamed are straight from the pit of hell that that impulse in me is what is wrong with the world that that the poison of wanting some sort of retribution is what killed Jesus. So then I uh, need to look at Jesus on the cross. And when I look at him, here's the two things that happen. One, I can face my anger and anxiety. It's not that I deny them. Like they're real. Like the stuff that he said to me was jacked up. Right, Ben? It's jacked up stuff. So it's not that I deny my hurt and pain. But uh, Jesus is taking it on the cross for me, so I don't have to die, so I can be healed. Friends, that's the cross I need today. That's the cross I need today. Not some abstract account balancing where there's a transaction happening and I have to imagine a reckoning to my account, that doesn't help one bit with this guy. But when I, when I pray my prayers and I feel triggered and anxious and I look to Jesus on the cross and he is taking my anger and anxiety and making peace. Friends, where do you need the cross of Jesus today? What's killing you? What poison of the world courses through your veins? Who's the person you want to see on a cross? Maybe not a cross, maybe just like low-key publicly shamed. <sighs> today, friends, is the day to see Jesus lifted up like the snake. He, he becomes what's killing us in order to heal us. Will we look to Him today? face what's wrong in us, and confess His healing and salvation in our bodies. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.